Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. I'm so excited to bring Adam Canitola to the stage today and be able to um field questions about some important topics like paying taxes, but more specifically around the conversation of NFTs and cryptos. But before I dive into that, I would like to give a little introduction to Adam. He is a fractional CFO that translates finances into English. He has experience working with many industries, but his talents and passions lie in helping creative business owners make more money. He will find $100,000 in additional annual revenue for any business in 45 minutes. And I would like to welcome him. Hi, Adam. Welcome to Culture Factor. Hi, Holly. Thanks for having me. Adam's really cool. I've been following him on TikTok and LinkedIn, and he just like dove right in. He's not shy. You will find him saving people money and singing on TikTok. Yep, that's very true. Yeah, through, throughout December, I I was recording a whole bunch of different holiday songs um, as, as my own version. I did them all a cappella. Um, so as not to, you know, to mess with any, you know, royalty issues of having music playing in the background and things like that. So, um, so yeah, that, that's one of my passions. It's one of my hobbies and, you know, it's, it's the way that I had a personal touch instead of just talking about business and finances all day long. Well, we all need our little fixes, right? Um, I know I do. Um, I have tried, um, not singing, but doing spoken word on this platform. So that was sort of my little foray into that as well. Um, so more importantly, let's get on this topic. So everybody knows they need to pay taxes. And while it's probably still a little fuzzy to many people um, in terms of uh, buying and selling with dollars and stocks and what capital gains means and, and reporting that on your taxes, um, I think that there is this gray area around NFTs and crypto. And the reason I'm, I have you here is that I think we need the, the 101 on it, the beginner's training, because I think a lot of people are uncertain about what they're required to do because cryptos and NFTs operate 
in a decentralized finance economy um, on the blockchain. And so I think a lot of people feel that if they make money on NFTs or, or selling cryptocurrencies or trading cryptocurrencies, that they are insulated from having to pay taxes to the IRS in the uh, traditional model. So I just wanted to lay the groundwork for what I think some people might be experiencing. And so maybe you can share with us, Adam, how you started learning about the tax implications of crypto and how you kind of came into this and and, and what you see with people experiencing it. Yeah. So, you know, I've, you know, I've heard of Bitcoin, I've heard of Ethereum for, you know, for years. Bitcoin's obviously been around for more than a decade at this point. Um, but you know, never really got into anything. It was like, I don't have the time to learn that. I'm not going to take the time to learn that. Um, until about the end of 2019 is when I really started looking at things that was, you know, things were really starting to increase in, in price and in value. And more of my customers and clients were starting to ask, like, what do I have to do? do I have to report anything? You know, it's on the blockchain and all it is is a, you know, there's a public wallet address. You know, how does the, you know, how does the IRS, how does the government even know that I own, you know, that Bitcoin? Um, And of course you've got the the memes, you know, going around with there like, oh, you know, my cold wallet was on a boat and the boat sank and therefore I lost the the crypto and it's, you know, it's gone and I didn't sell it and make all sorts of money on it. So, Um, so I was like, okay, so from a professional standpoint, I need to understand, you know, what are the IRS regulations around it? How is the IRS going to treat these transactions? And literally, what do they actually even consider a transaction? So that was where, you know, the start of my exploration and research, um, began was late 2019. And then through 2020, 2021, you know, there was just continued to, to build upon that. Um, finally in 2021, I actually dove in and I was like, you know, the, the last way for me to truly learn about this is to start investing in different things. So I bought some Bitcoin, I bought some Ethereum, um, I bought some Tezos, I bought some Stellar, Lumens, you know, so I, I started, you know, just kind of experiment, like, how does this process work? You know, where, you know, what are these different exchanges? What are these different wallets? How do they all interact with one another? And then for me, how does that relate back from me as a person doing all of this to then how am I going to, you know, report these on my taxes if and when I do sell things? Um, So the first thing I did, I created an Excel spreadsheet. I'm a numbers guy. I'm, you know, it's, it's all about the data for me. And knowing, coming from a tax prep background, that I was going to have to report a lot of these transactions on my taxes and looking at the reporting capabilities in the different wallets, in the different exchanges, I was like, there is no consolidated reporting potentially going on here, so I need to track these. So I did that. It created a a very basic Excel spreadsheet, which I've now upgraded with some bells and whistles. I've shared it with some of my clients so that they can start tracking this stuff as well. Because again, you know, they might not get a 1099, you know, this spring from Coinbase or from Trust Wallet or MetaMask or OpenSea or whoever they're doing these transactions with. 
So they need to be able to report them accurately so that one, they're not overpaying on taxes, but two, that they're also not omitting pieces that the IRS is somehow going to find later on and come back and say, hey, you made these transactions, you didn't report them on your taxes, now you owe us $100,000. Yeah, that would really so, be bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've had clients before receive those types of letters where, you know, they've left off a 1099, um, they left off, you know, some transactions, they left off this, they left off that. And the IRS is so computerized at this point that literally a computer says, send this person a letter. And a computer prints out that letter, stuffs it in an envelope, puts it in the mail, and a human being isn't really touching it. And just because the IRS sends that letter doesn't mean that there's anything actually due. It's just basically a notification saying, this is the information we have. You did, didn't report something, whatever, you know, either accept that this is correct and we'll adjust your tax return or give us more information to, you know, to show that you did report it and you just reported it maybe in a different fashion. So I'm going to attach the spreadsheet that you have provided for the room. It's a template. So that's going to be coming up next. Um, but I did pin to the top um, an article written by Adam about NFTs, crypto, and the powerful impact on 2021 taxes. Um, for the sake of my podcast, um, it will be in the show notes as well, uh, both this article and the template. So let me let me tap into another question about how the IRS treats cryptocurrencies. And um, for anybody listening, for anybody in this room, um, I am really trying to take the 101 approach on this. This is all new to me too. So um, no question is a bad or a stupid question. And I'm here to ask all of them. <laughs> as much as possible. Um, if anybody wants to, um, obviously we are live. So if anybody wants to put in their profile, um, a specific question and raise their hand, I have it off at the moment, but at the end of this interview, if Adam has time, he's going to bring people up. Um, so let me ask this question. Dollars, American dollars, they are based on a gold standard. There is a way for the government to determine um, how much your money is worth. Um, it is how they are able to determine, well, you made X amount of dollars, you owe X amount in taxes. So cryptocurrencies, whether it's Bitcoin, Tezos, Ethereum, um, NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. So maybe you create a piece of art, which um, is sold on, say, something like an OpenSea platform, and you make money off of it, or you buy an NFT, and then you sell it, and you make money off of it. Money is translated differently in that space. It's based on Satoshis and Bitcoin. So how does that work when you go to report it on your taxes? Yeah, so the, the biggest first piece that I always tell people is that the IRS doesn't treat any cryptocurrency or NFT or anything as currency. So even though it's a coin or it's a token, 
the IRS doesn't treat it that way. So they're going to treat it as basically a personal asset. So that they also don't treat it as a security. So they're not going to treat it like a share of Apple stock or Tesla stock. They're going to treat it like it's a painting where it's an asset that somebody owns. And if they buy or sell it, then there could be a taxable transaction there. So uh, capital gains still apply, similar to stocks and securities, but slightly different rules um, apply as far as like wash sales. So for anyone that doesn't know what a wash sale is, basically, let's say you have a share of Apple stock, you buy it for $1,000, you sell it for 800, and then within 30 days, you buy it back. That's considered a wash sale because you lost money on that initial transaction, but rebought the same stock within 30 days. So it's basically to stop people from adjusting their basis downward when a stock goes downward. Cryptocurrencies and NFTs don't have that same protection. So if you bought a Bitcoin at you know $57,000 and sold it at $50,000, you can immediately buy it back at $50,000. And now you get to show that $7,000 loss on your um, on your tax return, and now your new basis is fifty thousand dollars. So that's, you know, a piece that you know I've seen lots of people explain about that um, throughout social media and you know and in articles and things like that. So that's one piece is that it's you know it's not treated as a currency, <clears throat> it's not treated as a security, it's treated as basically a personal asset, um, or if a business owns it, a business asset. That is really interesting. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> um, so I guess my, I guess my next question might be, um, when you swap or you buy an NFT using crypto, what is that? Is that a taxable transaction? Because now, like I think you said, it's almost like you're swapping an asset or buying an asset. So if you're using crypto, is that a taxable transaction? And are, so there's this other element to it. So you have like this asset, this piece of art, and you can look at it that way. But then there's these gas fees that are used when purchasing it. Um, which are usually Ethereum. So now you have the asset, but you had these additional gas fees. So how how are those structured in taxes? And am I even asking the question right? You, you are. So so the way the IRS is going to look at it is, you know, at the end of the day, when you sell the asset, um, they're going to look at whatever the sales price is. And that's your that's your sales price, and that's all that goes into that piece of the tax reporting. On the other end of it is your cost basis. So basically, it's what you bought it for, so the original purchase price, any transaction or gas fees that you paid on the purchase, as well as any transaction or gas fees that you paid on the sale. So that all goes into the cost basis. You take your purchase price minus that cost basis, and that's either your gain or your loss. So... You know, and that's very similar to stock and security transactions where, you know, you pay, you know, eight bucks to buy a share of stock, you pay eight bucks to sell a share of stock, those get added onto your cost basis 
but the purchase price just stands alone as the purchase price. So with crypto, same type of reporting needs to happen. But again, those transaction and gas fees all get tacked onto the cost basis to figure out your overall gain or loss. That's the oh, sorry. other piece of it, like you mentioned, is you know, let's say you're using Ethereum to buy an NFT. Well, Ethereum is treated created or treated as one asset. The NFT is treated as a different asset. So now that you have used Ethereum to purchase an NFT, you have a taxable transaction because you have converted, swapped, bought, sold Ethereum to acquire that NFT. You know, so basically you've sold Ethereum and bought an NFT in that transaction. So that is a taxable transaction. Uh, a lot of the other words that I like to tell people is if you sold, exchanged, swapped, converted, transferred, almost all of those things create a, a, a taxable transaction. So if you have any of those words in your head or words similar to them, more than likely you've made a, ta a taxable transaction. One of the pieces that isn't is let's say you bought Ethereum in your Coinbase wallet, you transfer it to either, you know, say a MetaMask wallet or to a cold wallet. That is not a taxable transaction because it's going from one wallet basically that you own to another. And the same thing can be done with brokerages on stocks and securities. Let's say you have a Fidelity account and then you open a Charles Schwab account. You can literally transfer those stocks from the one brokerage to the other without creating a taxable transaction. So that's that's kind of the one comparison I make as far as a, a conversion or transfer that wouldn't create a taxable transaction. Um, but pretty much anything else, um, you know, if you're using pancake swap, if you're, you know, going from Binance to Binance Smart Chain, all of the, you know, if you're going from ETH to wrapped ETH, all of those are going to create taxable transactions because you're going from one asset to a different asset. That's so well said. I'm not even going to try and repeat this, <laughs> except I'd like you to once more say some of the terminology that people have in their heads um, that is taxable. Can you just repeat like some of those words? Sure. So sell is the easiest one. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, yeah. But also exchange, convert, swap, transfer, you know, wrap, <laughs> all of those, you know, different terminologies that that wander around in you know in this space the majority of those are going to be taxable transactions thank you and what i did do uh for the room is i did pin to the top um the excel tracker that adam created so that you can keep track of everything since he pointed out that a lot of these um, platforms will not be sending you a 1099 to make it neat and simple for you. Um, I will be adding this to the show notes for the podcast when it airs as well. So um, be sure to tap that and and store uh, save that for yourself because, you know, April is around the corner. Um, I do want to ask you, is there like a threshold number 
for capital gains. So like when you sell stocks and securities and you make, um, I, I want to say it's $10,000, excuse my ignorance. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and play as newbie as I can. And is there a certain dollar gain uh, with the cryptocurrencies or with NFTs that you make as an asset um, that is like the magic number or it doesn't matter if it equals like a dollar? Right. It, it doesn't matter. So it's more so if you had any taxable transactions or not. So if you had any taxable transactions you have to report all of the taxable transactions. You had none. You know, let's say you just bought and you're hodling. <laughs> you only, you know, you don't have to report anything at that point. But again, if you swapped, converted, transferred, exchanged anywhere during the year, you know, sold, of course, as well. Those are when you have to start reporting that that information on your taxes. So you're going you're gonna to file a Schedule D as in dog going to report all of those transactions on there with all the appropriate information. So, you know, information on the purchase, information on the sale, transactions, gas fees, what the asset is, when you bought and sold it, uh, you know, and then that'll determine whether it's going to be eligible for short-term capital gain treatment or long-term capital gain treatment. So if you held it for one year plus one day, you, go, you qualify for long-term capital gains. If you held it for one year or less, then it's going to be short-term capital gains and you're going to pay your normal income tax rate on it. Okay. So for the sake of this podcast and my Culture Factor family and for the clubhouse room here, HODL stands for hold on for dear life. So if you buy Bitcoin, if you buy an NFT and you hold on to it, um, then or you hodl it, um, then you are not, you don't pay anything until you go through the process of selling it. Is this correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So I make sure I was super clear on it because I think there's a lot of terminology that's been born out of this um, blockchain technology and buying and selling crypto and NFTs. And I, and I don't think we share them all the time. And so um, again, HODL stands for hold on for dear life. Is there any other terms that we've said that you can think of that, um, we should maybe define a little bit more? Uh, I don't know that we've gone into, you know, you, you define non-fungible token as NFT. Uh, you know, obviously that and HODL are two of the, the bigger ones, um, you know, that, that we've talked about already. Let's talk about that term write-off. So the gas fees from purchasing uh, an NF NFT, um, which could be, by the way, people, um, a JPEG like from a photograph that you mint on, say, um, a platform like OpenSea or Rarible, um, but it could also be like an MP3 or WAV file. So, you know, that's why music is also coming into play here. Um, can you write this off for business, just the gas fees part of it, um, or you can't because it's considered a hobby, or if you can prove 
that it's a hobby? Like, I, I know that's sort of a loaded question, but does that question come up with your clients? Right. So the, the gas fees are all part of the cost basis. So it, it doesn't matter whether a business owns the, you know, the crypto or the NFT or a person does. There won't be any basically recognition of those gas fees until that sale happens. So, you know, it's not an ongoing business expense. Um, it's, you know, it's literally part of that overall transaction of buying and selling an asset. So it, it doesn't become, you know, like reported on a Schedule C or reported as a hobby expense or reported on, you know, if you're a corporation on your 1120. All of that just gets baked into that cost basis. And then when you actually sell, that's when it gets realized as part of the cost basis, determining what your overall gain is. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. have answered so many important questions here and me being a newbie like say I was a a client of yours and I come to you what am I not asking you as a client that you want to make sure I understand so when I go home um, I haven't uh, failed to do something that's really a critical component of this process yeah I, I think the the biggest concern that I have with my clients is transparency. There's, you know, a huge, you know, message out there that, you know, crypto is anonymous. These wallets are anonymous. They'll never find it. So why report it? And as we've seen over the past year plus, as hackers have started utilizing, you know, crypto as a means of ransom and ransomware and things like that, that, the government is able to track these people down. They are able to acquire private keys and get into, you know, these, these quote unquote anonymous wallets and figure out who's behind it. So, you know, as it becomes more prevalent and as more people get involved and start investing money into it, the government is not going to just let you know, all of these potential tax dollars disappear into thin air. They're going to increase enforcement on it. They're going to increase, you know, penalties and and things along those lines. And there's a difference between maliciously trying to hide this and not maliciously trying to hide it. You know, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. If you forgot that you created a, a Robinhood account and you got some crypto in there and converted it into cash and forgot to report on your taxes, you know, is the government going to throw you in jail? No, they're not. But if you have 17 different wallets and you are moving, you know, your crypto around between them, buying, selling, 
and just kind of skipping it from one place to another, not reporting it, you know, the IRS is going to look at that intent and say, did you mean to do this or did you not mean to do this? So, you know, that, that's the place where I just try to educate my clients and, you know, and show them that hey, it's better to go in, report everything, pay the taxes on it and, you know, and move forward without having that looming, you know, overhead of if, when they're going to catch you rather than having them, you know, sent, start sending you letters, having them, you know, come knock on your door, um, which is way down the line, but have them, you know, somehow get data that shows that you owned this, you sold this, you didn't report it. We believe you didn't report it on purpose so that you didn't pay taxes. You know, that's going to start happening. That's going to become more prevalent. There's going to be more stories in the news of those kinds of things happening because there's a lot more money involved now than there was five years ago or eight years ago. And, you know, the IRS's job, they're the biggest collection agency in the world. And so their job is to go out and collect tax dollars. And if you're trying to hide potential taxable transactions from them, you know, there's there's penalties for that. But if you forgot or you made a mistake, you can make amends. You, you know, if they send you that letter and say you had these transactions you didn't report, you say, okay, yeah, I forgot to report them. You write your check <clears throat> and and you move on. So, you know, so big, that, that compliance piece um, is huge for me. And one of the things I've always told my clients when I'm preparing taxes is that I sign these tax returns too. And this is my livelihood. And if we aren't going to be forthright and we aren't going to include what should be included on there, I'm not going to sign your tax return. You're going to have to go somewhere else and find someone else to do your taxes. And it's not fun to have that conversation. It's not easy to have that conversation. But, you know, it's my way of protecting myself and my professional reputation and, you know, and my professional experience there. So, you know, I don't, I've maybe only had to have that conversation a couple times in the 10 plus years that I've been um, preparing taxes. So, you know, it's not like it happens every day or every year. It's every once in a while. Um, but, you know, it's a conversation that does have to be had. And I think because, you know, there's this thought of the, this anonymity out there that, or that, you know, well, I didn't receive any reports or any forms from any of these wallets. So if they didn't report it to me, they didn't report it to the IRS. And, you know, I'm good to go. So I was like, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not going down that road. It's not up to, you know, Trust Wallet or MetaMask or OpenSea to report on your transactions. Because right now, they're likely not even required to. If you had a taxable transaction, you report it, pay whatever taxes are due, or in some cases, you actually get a tax benefit. If you lose money on crypto or NFTs, you can take a capital loss. You can also offset capital gains with it. So if you made $5,000 on one transaction and lost $5,000 on another transaction, those net to zero, and you have no tax liability there. So, you know, so it's not always that you're going to, you're going to owe more in taxes. It could be that you actually get a tax benefit by reporting those transactions because there is tax benefits out there 
depending on what the transaction entailed. That's perfect. And I'm right with you about the business ethics side of it. Um, I wanted to share questions from the audience, Adam, if you still have time. Can we keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Let's Excellent. Let's so the first question uh, Jason B. has, Jason Brown, is if you take two NFTs and put them together and mint an additional NFT, thus creating a third, is that considered a dividend or an additional purchase? <clears throat> Oh, that's a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the biggest piece depends on what happened to the original two NFTs. If they are now burned, they're not in circulation anymore. They're gone. And you created a new NFT out of them, <clears throat> then yes, that would be a taxable transaction because you theoretically sold the first two NFTs to buy the new NFT. So I would say in that instance, yes, that is a taxable transaction because you went from two assets that are no more to a new asset. Now, if instead you still have those two NFTs and now you have another NFT, a third one, that wouldn't be a taxable transaction because you still own all three pieces and the new one is just basically you bought you know you paid some gas fees you minted it it's that's just basically a, a new purchase um so it's going to partly depend on the logistics of what happened in that transaction okay so um what i'm going to do is i'm going to continue with the other two questions because they're fantastic um and i'm going to leave it up to our audience member here if the answers to the questions incite new questions uh we will go forward with that after so question number two is if you get an nft drop in your wallet as a one of one is that a dividend and if so how do you determine a value? So typically, if you've been airdropped um, an NFT, uh, it wouldn't be a dividend. Um, it would basically be a new asset that you own with no cost basis. So um, if you, you know, if you go along and later on you sell that NFT, you would have the sales price as your sales price, and then you would have any gas or transaction fees as your cost basis. That would be the only potential cost basis that you would have there. So let me make sure that I understand that. So if it's airdropped and it wasn't bought, so there was no like gas fees, then it would just be the NFT. And it, when you went to go, if you hold on to, it, if you hold it, there's no cost but if you go to sell it later because you know it's worth so much more now and you want to take that money and and run that's when you need to pay taxes correct and you know one of the other places that this happens a lot um i know i set up a coinbase account when i was getting started and they have the the learn to earn program where if you watch the short little videos and answer the quizzes you can earn crypto it would be basically the, the same thing 
you don't have any cost basis in it. You didn't put out any actual funds or any crypto to get that crypto. So you end up having a zero cost basis if and when you sell it, then that creates a, ta tax a taxable transaction with a zero cost basis and then the sales price. Okay, hopefully that um, I clarified that a little bit. This next question, I sort of feel like we might have answered this a little earlier, but it's being asked a different way. So I'm going to uh, go ahead and read this question because we all approach uh, this new world differently. And like you said, a lot of people use different words to explain transactions, but they all kind of mean the same thing as a tax implication. So the question is, on my transfers, I have spent some of the coin to do the transfer. The coin that I spend in gas, is that a taxable event? Um, and this is a question not as a business, but as an individual. Right. So um, I know one of, the, one of the common pieces with this is, you know, let's say you, you bought an NFT on OpenSea, and now you want to transfer it to your MetaMask wallet. There's going to be a gas fee there so that would not be a taxable transaction because you're going from your open c wallet to your metamask wallet the gas fee just gets added to your basis so if and when you ever sell then that would just be an you know so additional gas fee transaction fee that's part of your cost basis so you know in, in this world you can have multiple of those gas fees so it's not necessarily just you know one or the other um, but those gas fees would just continue to add to your cost basis every time you have to pay it for that particular asset. Okay. Hopefully I have, um, asked the questions. Let me just see. Hold on. Um, okay. So all the questions have been asked, answered from our audience. I wasn't sure if anybody else had questions, please raise your hand. In the meantime, I have pinned a link to the top of the room. It is Adam's website. Um, and I will also put that in the show notes along with all of his socials. Um, I hope that so far you've learned a lot. Um, I would love if you followed the room and um, definitely follow Adam. He's new to Clubhouse and um, just an amazing human. Um, I have spent many uh, many hours commenting back and forth on LinkedIn. Um, he always has really uh, interesting posts, so he's a good guy to follow. Um, and as I said, I'll put all of his um, socials uh, in the show notes so that you can follow him and listen to him sing on TikTok. Um, and I'm sure he has his socials on this website that I have pinned to the top. So if you need a, an, a CFO of crypto in your back pocket, uh, Adam is the man for the job. So um, I wanted to bring him here today to share that live in Clubhouse because um, I think that the conversations here are relevant, they're constant, they're important, and they're exciting. Um, so I wanted to bring somebody on stage that could really answer all of those hard questions. Um, so if anybody, it doesn't look like anybody's raising their hand right now. Um, Adam is, uh, again, uh, you know, I'm going to ask the question one more time because we had a few questions come in. Is there anything I'm not asking you, or do you feel like we have covered, um, some of the basics that people need to be aware of for their taxes in April? 
Yeah, I, I think we've covered the basics. And, you know, there, there's two pieces that I always really tell people. About. One is to educate yourself, which that refrain is echoed, you know, loud and strong a- across this community is educate yourself into things you're investing in, educate yourself in the, the projects, into the products. You know, does it have utility? Does it not? Um, you know, so that's that's one piece. And then the second piece is use a professional. Uh, you know, if you don't understand or don't know how this gets reported on taxes, what you need to report on taxes, you know, that that's one of the reasons that I'm here is to, you know, one is to educate, but also to be that sounding board. Uh, and I offer free consultations to people, you know, if they, you know, if you want to take half an hour of my time and ping me a bunch of questions one-on-one in, in a forum that is not open like this <laughs> um, about your particular situation. It's also easier in that instance for me to get very granular and very detailed about with, you know, transaction A, this is what you need to do. Transaction B, this is what you need to do. Um, because it's your particular situation and it's, you know, transactions that have actually already happened rather than, you know, kind of these, you know, nebulous, what happens, you know, what if situations. So, um, you know, you can, you can schedule a time, you know, through my website, all the information's on there, all my social media accounts. Um, I'm, I'm basically on all the different platforms as CFO Adam. Um, so you can track me down, you know, in all those spaces. And, um, you know, again, as we are moving into, you know, later in January, February, March, April, um, you know, it, it is becoming tax season once again. Um, you know, I, I call it the 100 days, <laughs> basically from today until, you know, April 15th is, is basically 100 days. Um, so that's, you know, 100 of the busiest days of, of my year every year. Um, but I am taking new clients. So, you know, if, if you have enjoyed this conversation and you've been either trying to do it yourself or you have someone that you've asked questions of as your tax preparer or accountant and they, you know, they've ever brushed you off or said, I don't understand it. So I don't know what to answer there. I'm always available for a second opinion. Um, or if you want to, you know, to just speak and say, here is what I've got, you know, do I need to report anything? I, I'd be more than happy to, to take a look because I would rather you ask me, even if you're not going to use me to do your taxes, just ask me to say, are these taxable transactions or not? And do I need to report them rather than, you know, in two or three years, the IRS sending you a letter saying, we have all these transactions that you haven't reported, you know, here's your tax bill. So that's, that's never a pleasant experience. And it gets much more expensive to fix that on the back end than to report it accurately on the front end. So well said. (laughs) And so generous of you to give that um, consultation for free where you can get granular and answer um, very specific questions. Um, And I think that um, it's really amazing that you do that. And I'm going to, I I have pinned to the top my um, Spotify uh, link If you want to subscribe to Culture Factor, this February, I will be launching this particular interview with Adam that you can share with friends and family and colleagues and anybody who is interested in um, some of the the topics that I'm going to be covering 
that will be the 101, the beginner's education on what is an NFT? What are the tax implications of selling um, NFTs and cryptocurrencies? What is the blockchain? Um, what is Web3? Um, what is a smart contract? I'm going to do like the very basics um, because it's new to a lot of people and it's kind of created its own language. So now I actually go into rooms and I feel like I'm listening to Greek. Um, and so in an effort to distill down the information so that people have a foundation and a starting point, I'm going to have this little mini series. I hope that you will follow me on Culture Factor and share it with one friend. Um, it would mean a lot to me to grow this show. And I hope that coming to the room today was valuable to you and you learned a lot about Adam Canitola, the CFO of crypto. Um, and I want to thank you, Adam. This was really amazing. I, I am so educated now. I feel so much more comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, you know, for anyone else that, that's still in the room, you know, like Holly said, I'm, I'm pretty new to Clubhouse. I think I've had an account for a week now. Um, but if there's, you know, if there's certain rooms that you think um, would add value to, to me and my continuing, you know, crypto and blockchain journey, I'd be more than happy for you to, to suggest them. Um, I know that um, Holly invited me to one that was a little bit earlier today or um, that meets, a, yeah, I think, every day of the week. Um, you know, so I've popped into there a few times, you know, while I've been been on the on the app and on the platform. But if there's other ones, you know, that you feel that I would be able to either, you know, share my experiences with or that, you know, I, that I could learn from, I'm, I'm always up for that. Yeah, there are some really great groups on here, and he's right. Um, I have been going into some rooms and learning a lot. Um, there are uh, rooms like um, NFTs.tips. Um, it's a huge community. Uh, Teddy Wang leads that group over there. I highly recommend that. Um, there's another uh, group, Black Bitcoin Billionaires. Um, that one's really amazing, and that's led by Dr. Shalair Armstrong and um, Naja Roberts um, and a few other notables, um, and I apologize for not having all of the names, um, but you know, there's, there's a ton. Actually, if you put your finger on my profile and you scroll down to the clubs that I am a part of, you will see a few um, on there and you can join their clubs too because uh, that's what Clubhouse is all about is community. Um, if you come on to Clubhouse and you're new to that, I will put the uh, link in the show notes for that as well. I use Clubhouse not to monetize, um, not for any of that. I come here to learn. Um, I feel like it is the new YouTube university and you can ask very direct questions in the moment. And I think it's a really great place for that. Um, so with that, I want to thank everybody who stopped in today um, and follow Adam because yes, he is new and follow the club if you like this and maybe consider subscribing to Culture Factor so that you can share um, my little mini series on all of this. So thank you. And thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me on, Holly. 